Good evening, forecasters. This is Michael Hendricks coming to you again with the presidential forecast. Uh, though tonight is going to take a different turn as I kind of go away from the election in general, though I do will have a segment talking about the election. It is Friday night, December 4th, one day after my 43rd birthday, so happy birthday to me. Tonight when I was getting ready to prepare for this podcast and started writing it down, I didn't know how much I was able to actually going to be able to write and wasn't sure that what I was going to write was actually going to make even a 30 minute show. Uh, so we'll, we'll see how this goes tonight. It, I ended up with several pages front and back on what I plan on talking tonight. And not shockingly, it is mostly about the Republican Party and really over the last year how they've tried to just screw the United States of America and its people. We're going to be focusing mostly on their attempted coup following the election and then of course on COVID, uh, which is a topic that I have tried to stay away from and I'll make mention of that when I get there, but at this point where we are as a country, it, it's, it's got to be talked about. It, it just does. Uh, but before I go any further, I hope you enjoyed my new intro song that I have for this podcast. Uh, it is kind of my music styling. I, I didn't play the music, but it's, it's the kind of music that I would listen to if it were available on Spotify or any other music service that I would listen to. And also, before I get into this, I want to give a huge shout out uh, to my brother, Will Hendricks, who originally gave me the idea to even do a podcast. Uh, he does a couple of podcasts that I listen to on a weekly basis. One is just about fantasy football and, and specifically the f- fantasy football league that I and several of our friends are in together. Then another one that he actually does with one of our longtime friends, Doug Murray. Uh, originally had a different title. It sounds like they've come to a new title. Uh, one that, that, that should last because it's actually a, a good title for a podcast and it's just off the rails. It, it kind of goes along with their styling as podcast host. Uh, where they'll start on a topic and then just it'll eventually go off the rails. It's a very funny show. I encourage anyone who listens to this to check out that podcast Again, it is titled Off the Rails. But getting into tonight's subject, the Republican Party. And what they've been doing. To, and I I do apologize because I'm not even on my script yet. Uh, So, I have kind of lost my train of thought on this. But how the Republican Party has really done their level best to destroy the norms and values of the United States and this all started with the Newt revolution, the Newt Gingrich revolution in the mid 90's and has carried on through today but the Republican party is actively attempting a coup in the United States right now and this is real, it's not imagined much like the voter fraud they keep saying is going on, but never offer any proof on. They know that they lost this election. Specifically, they lost the presidential election. Now, in the House and the Senate, they actually fared pretty well. They gained seats in the House. Uh, it still remains to be seen what happens in the Senate with the special election in January, uh, where if the Democrats can somehow win both seats in Georgia, that will produce a 50-50 tie in the Senate and with uh, Kamala Harris coming in as Vice President and she is a Democrat, that would give the edge to the Democratic Party and Mitch McConnell would no longer be the Senate Majority Leader, which honestly, at this time in our country, we need that more than anything else. But they know they lost the presidential election. They know Joe Biden is the President-elect but they refuse as a party to admit it publicly. Yes, there has been several 
go on record privately and quote-unquote off the record and admit that Joe Biden is the president-elect, but to this point, there is only one person serving in Congress that has declared that Joe Biden is president-elect, and that is Liz Cheney, the daughter of former uh, Vice President Dick Cheney. I don't like the Cheney family one bit, but one thing I will give them respect for is that For better or worse, they have respected the government of the United States. They may, uh, and Dick Cheney specifically, may try to go around it from time to time, especially with the torture uh, during Bush's tenure. But they do respect the way that the government is supposed to work, uh, especially when it comes to elections and a new president coming in. But let's think about this. For a party that likes to collectively say that all liberals are snowflakes, they sure are showing their true stripes uh, in this month since the election. They're actively and publicly questioning the results of the election. They keep claiming that there has been fraud, widespread fraud. They keep claiming that there's been voting irregularities, such as dead people voting. In fact, one supposed witness claims that she saw dead people voting. Not entirely sure how that works, but that's what she claims. And they also say that, especially in Georgia, there were compromised voting machines that the Georgia governor knew about and actually allowed to happen so that he could overthrow Trump. This is their, uh, these are their words, not mine. However, every time they've been pressed, this is in court and in public view. In court, by the way, they're one, there's something like one for 35 at this point on court cases. But whenever they're pressed for evidence, they provide absolutely none. Now, the reason that they can't provide any evidence of fraud or voting irregularities or compromised voting machines is because they have no evidence. They haven't even tried to present evidence. Their basic tenor at this point is just to say, well, it's happened. If you want to see it, you, you, you got to go find it. But there is there was no fraud in this election. There were no irregularities. And there were no compromised voting machines. Yet this hasn't stopped certain GOP elected officials from demanding that they be shown the evidence that shows that there was no election fraud. And I'm not kidding on this. And to paraphrase a line from The Force Awakens, Han Solo famously says, in in regards to the Force, that's not how it works. You can't prove that there is no fraud. You can prove that there is fraud, but if there's no fraud, if no fraud has happened, you can't prove that because nothing has happened. There's nothing there. And still another quote, there is no there there. Just about every state has certified their elections. So the Republican Party's attempt to convince states not to certify have failed. Next up. They attempted to convince state legislatures to appoint electors to the Electoral College that were loyal to Trump and would vote for him, no matter how the state voted, uh, specifically in the five states that Biden flipped. This is also not really an option as electors are chosen before the election. There's typically multiple groups, uh, but in the two-party system, it is typically just two groups, one for the Republican, one for the Democrat, or in this case, in this election, 
uh, one for Biden, one for Trump, and whichever candidate wins the election in that in those states, those electors would go on to the convention uh, that were selected for that particular candidate. And, and let me try to make this a little more clear, because as, as I was going through it, I kind of got lost in my own thought. So, let's just go with the 2020 election. There's two groups of electors selected. One that is going to vote for Biden, if that state chooses Biden. One that's going to vote for Trump, if that state votes for Trump. And this is where they vote is the Electoral College. So, whichever candidate wins that state, let's just pick Pennsylvania for the example. Biden wins Pennsylvania, so his electors are the ones that will go to the Electoral College and vote. At this point, you don't get to pick and choose who goes, no matter what the Republican Party is trying to do. Despite all that, there has been a suggestion that that state legislatures, uh, specifically in Michigan and Pennsylvania, and I believe also Wisconsin, that these state legislatures convene special sessions to overturn those rules. And think about this. Can you even begin to imagine that in the middle of a pandemic that is completely out of control at this point, where many of these states where their legislatures are controlled by the Republican Party and they have done nothing to do anything to slow the spread of this pandemic, all of a sudden decides, well, let's go ahead and convene a special election just so we can overturn the will of the people in the state. It's insane on its face. It's, it's, it's pure insanity it doesn't make any sense it would be I believe if it were to happen I don't think it will but if it were to happen it would be the death knell of the Republican Party if these state legislatures in these states which are all Republicans decided to hold special sessions so they could select their own electors change the laws and select their own electors to go to the Electoral College so that they could actually overturn the will of the people in their state and the will of the people in the country while a pandemic is raging across the country. And they have done nothing to slow the spread of this pandemic. And and I'll get into this more in my, my final segment tonight but one of the ways to help slow the spread and to make sure that you know people are staying home for one we we've got to give people money we've got to give them a safety net Because if we close down businesses again, which is where it's looking like it's about to start going, and it is in some states, people need something they can fall back on. And whether it's the federal government or the state government completing action during a pandemic isn't going to help. But then trying to convene a special election to overturn the will of the American voters This is something I don't believe the Republican Party would survive. So I don't see it happening. So what's next on their tour of sedition through the end of the 2020 election? Trying to convince the actual electors to change their votes when they go to the Electoral College. More on that in a minute. Hey, have I told you yet that you can be a supporter of this podcast by going to my website, which you probably went through to get here to listen to this podcast. That's a lot of words to 
to say that you can be a supporter of my podcast is go to my, my website, click on supporter. You can support me for either 99 cents, $4.99, or $9.99 a month. Also, at any time, leave me a message that I will respond to. If I like the message enough, I may even play it right on my podcast. So what are you waiting for? Come on by. So, is it actually possible to convince an elector to vote for someone other than the person that their state voted for? Yes, uh, actually it is. But, it's not as easy as you might think it is, and it doesn't happen as much as you think it might. And what I'm talking about is the faithless elector. Uh, This is something that I've talked about in past episodes. I'm going to do a little bit deeper of a dive into it tonight. But this is something that has happened in the past. But it has never happened on a scale to actually overturn an election. Now, remember, right now, as it stands, uh, unless there are some faithless electors... Biden is currently leading Trump by 74 electoral votes. Now, Donald Trump would not need 74 electors to change the way they're voting or to vote some other way. But he would need to convince them to, instead of voting for Biden the way their state voted, to vote for him. And that's not typically what happens with faithless electors. Typically, when they go to vote and they change, they decide to vote a way that is different than the way that the state voted, they typically vote for someone else entirely. In 2016, uh, Bernie Sanders actually ended up getting a couple of electors. Uh, These are people who did not vote for Hillary Clinton in Electoral College, but voted for Bernie Sanders instead. They didn't switch from Hillary to Trump, and no one switched from Trump to Hillary. But again, this is... Though faithless electors have existed from the very beginning of this country, it has never been on a scale that has actually changed the outcome of an election. In 2016, there were 10 faithless electors. This was the highest number since uh, 27 faithless electors in 1896. In fact, since 1912, all the way up until the 2016 election, only, uh, only nine electors total. So in 104 years, only between these two kind of surges and faithless electors, only, only nine electors total didn't vote the way that their state had. And in fact, there was a woman uh, in 2000. And she didn't consider herself a faithless elector, even though she was. Um, She did a protest vote, where actually a protest non-vote, where she refused to vote. And it actually took away from Gore. Even though she was a Gore supporter, uh, she wanted to make a stand about the fact that Washington, D.C. has no representation in Congress. By the way, the highest number of faithless electors actually happened in 1872 when 63 electors uh, who had been pledged to Horace Greeley ended up voting for someone else. Horace Greeley lost that election in 1872 But he died before the Electoral College actually met to vote. So 63 of his electors that he won, that were pledged to him, voted for someone else. And I did not... And this is is on me completely. I, I didn't write it down on who they voted for. It's possible they all voted for different people. But more than likely, they probably voted for his vice presidential running mate. Having said all that, 
This has not stopped sitting senators and congressmen like Rafael Cruz from Texas, Tom Cotton from Arkansas, both senators, and Dan Crenshaw, representative from Texas, who is most famous for being made fun of on Saturday Night Live. And then everyone, well, not everyone, but there there was an outcry that they were making fun of a vet because he wore an eye patch because he lost an eye. Uh, so he got to appear on Saturday Night Live to get an apology from Saturday Night Live for making fun of him. It wasn't really that much of a shock to me then that within a month of being sworn in as a new representative from Texas, that he completely blamed the Democratic Party, and this is in 2018, for causing the government shutdown just a few months earlier, despite being at that time in the minority. So we kind of saw what kind of person Dan Cranshaw was and what he was going to be. Now, I do believe that all three of these men, Cruz, uh, Cotton, and Crenshaw, could be eyeing up a 2024 run, and so they would need the MAGA crowd to vote for them if they did run. So they want to stay on Trump's good side as much as possible. But all three of these men have suggested that there was widespread fraud. Again, none of them have provided any evidence And still to this day, more than one month since the presidential election, they have refused to acknowledge that Joe Biden won the election. Which brings me to my next point and what I'm going to talk about in the next segment. Refusing to acknowledge the election results while making statements about the next administration. It's something else. Alright, forecasters, if you haven't heard about Anchor, and by now you should have, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain a few details. First of all, it's free. It's never going to cost you anything to make a podcast on Anchor FM. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many, many more. You can also make money straight from your podcast with no minimum uh, listenership. And it's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Now, if you're interested in making your own podcast like I've been doing and like some of my friends and family have been doing, you need to download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. So going back to what I said prior to this last break, talking about senators, congressmen, Republicans uh, that are refusing to acknowledge the election results while making statements about the next administration. And who I'm going to focus on tonight uh, is a supposed lawyer and Arkansas junior Senator Tom Cotton. Now, I say supposed lawyer because despite having a law office in his hometown of Dardanelle, Arkansas, uh, before he went to uh, Washington, there really isn't any proof that he actually practiced law at any point. And in fact, you know, the naysayers, and I am a naysayer, I've, I've had to deal with Tom Cotton for quite a long time. I don't know him personally, don't plan to. But he's really shown his character since he came to Washington, uh, since he went to Washington. But, you know, naysayers look at this and say that his entire life's journey up to this point, going to Harvard and becoming a lawyer, all of this was just so he could make a political run. Because politics was always going to be in his life. Now, he is a former serviceman. And I do respect our military, our our military men and women. I may not always support the commander-in-chief. In In fact, anytime they send our men and women into war zones, I don't support them. I don't care if they're a Democrat or a Republican. 
So I do respect him for his service. But I do not respect Tom Cotton for literally anything else. Tom Cotton is best known for penning a letter that was co-signed by many prominent Republican senators at the time that was sent to Iran telling Iran that the Senate would never sign off on the treaty that the country had just signed with President Obama. Many saw this as an act of sedition, an act of treason. I don't disagree. It undermined the president, something that he has said many times since Trump became president, that if you do anything to undermine the president, you should face the strictest penalties of law. Yet apparently, I guess he decided he was above the law in this one case. Now, a few days ago, the heir apparent, I believe, the heir apparent, to the MAGA title, wrote a scathing letter that he proudly posted on Facebook and Twitter that in it said that none of Biden's appointments, none of his cabinet picks, no one that he is picking uh, to fill out all these seats in the cabinet and within the government would ever be approved by the Senate. Uh, This is comical and funny uh, from a few standpoints. One being that right now it is not certain that the Republicans are going to have control of the Senate when Biden becomes president and when the Senate starts its new session. And because McConnell changed the rules in the Senate, unless they change the rules, you know, after the the runoff elections in Georgia, it's only going to take a majority vote to get these people into their offices. And if it's if it's a 50-50 tie, Kamala Harris being a vice president is a tiebreaker. She'll break that tie. So there's one reason why it's comical, because he doesn't know the future. Maybe he does, I don't know. Maybe he knows that both Republicans and Georgia will win, which is completely possible. And I will actually touch on that uh, here in, in a bit. But the other reason that I find it comical and shows just how ridiculous a person he is is that to this point, he has not acknowledged that Biden is the president-elect. He is one of the many senators that I mentioned in the previous segment that said that this this election was full of pro, uh, full of fraud. So he's double speaking, basically. He's talking out of both sides of his mouth. Out of one side, he's saying the election was full of fraud, that it wasn't a fair election, and that he won't acknowledge that. Joe Biden is the president-elect. And then out of the other side of his mouth, he is saying that none of Biden's picks to fill government seats will be approved by the Senate. And that, that alone is just an amazing thing. I'll have more after this. So Republicans are playing a game that goes right along with their failing attempt at a, at a coup. You know, honestly, thank God that this party, that the leaders of this party are so completely inept and incompetent. No, right up to the top with Donald Trump. If we had a political party in this country right now that was a, that was trying to attempt what the Republicans are trying to attempt, and they had 
any ability to actually pull through with what they're trying, we would be in serious trouble in this country. And we've been shown why. But fortunately, this party, led by Donald Trump and led by his sycophants, are completely inept and incompetent in what they do. So the coup is failing. But the other game they're playing is pretending they haven't done or said what they've done or said. Now, I mentioned this early in this podcast. I believe it was in the first segment. That this is nothing new. This really began when Newt ushered in the modern GOP in the mid-90s. And this has always been one of their playing cards. Where they would do or say something that was incredibly stupid. Or outrageous or not thought through and instead of admitting that what they had said or done wasn't right was out of the norm they would pretend that it never happened I mean I can't tell you the number of times that I've heard a Republican say after being presented with something that he had said or he had done saying that he had never done it or never said it, even though it was on tape. And he would never admit to doing it, or saying it. But, for the last, gosh, 25 years now, the media has largely let them off the hook. You know, every now and then, some interviewer or or some reporter will press them, but it never goes anywhere. Eventually, within a couple of days or a couple of weeks or at the longest, a couple of months, the story disappears because we move on to something new. And sadly, at this point, there's no indication that the media will hold their feet to the fire with this either. Going back to people like Tom Cotton saying... The election wasn't fair, that it was full of fraud, that Trump didn't actually lose, but then also talking about what they will and will not do in the Biden administration. But this feels different because it's so out in the wide open, it, it's so pur- uh, purposeful. It's so clear what they're doing. And their feet should be held to the fire on this. But I have a real solid feeling that they won't. They won't be held accountable. And this is exactly why senators with approval numbers in the 20s can still win by double digits. Like McConnell. Like Lindsey Graham. Like Susan Collins. And many others. And this is one of the main reasons why after spending a good portion of my life not believing in And see, this is where I lose my train of thought. I've gone off script and I've lost the word. Term limits. There it is. Thank you. I'm talking to a producer that doesn't exist. Um, But for a large part of my life, I did not believe in term limits. I believed fully that once the voters were done with someone that was representing them, they had the power of the vote to get them out. But as I've discovered, as I've gotten older and paid much more attention to politics, that they won't. Voters will not vote out someone that they don't like because that person, man or woman, is a known quantity, is a known force within their life. And even when a senator or congressman has approval ratings in the low 30s and even in the 20s, their supporters will still go out and vote for them. And that's why I believe that we do need, at the federal level, for Congress, for Senate, 
for the House of Representatives, we do need term limits. But I'm not going to delve too deeply into that. But back to my point, as I kind of meandered there uh, about term limits, but the Republican Party has become a cult. And their base is poor, uneducated white people who have almost always and will continue voting against their self-interest. If it means specifically keeping black, gay, and Hispanic people down. Because to them, that's the true enemy. Not the Republican Party who keeps chipping away at their rights and keeps chipping away at their safety nets that they depend on. But the others that they've been told for their entire lives are stealing their jobs. Stealing their money. None of it's true. But they believe it. Because they've been force-fed this. And this is what is so amazing to me about QAnon. Because if you dive down into the nuts and bolts of what they actually believe, and, you know, once you get past their conspiracies, like the basement in a pizza parlor that didn't have a basement, that was full of underage sex trafficking led by Hillary Clinton, that is one of their conspiracies. But once you do get down to the nuts and bolts of what they actually believe, the party that they should be going after is the GOP. But the GOP long ago leveraged QAnon to do their bidding. And it is evident more than ever. But I believe we are starting to see the fall of the Republican Party. I I said this in 2008 I still believe this to an extent. Maybe this is the death now. Maybe something changes. We won't know clearly until 2024. Even with the midterm election, I don't think we'll really figure out what's going on at the national level until 2024. So I'm going to move on to that. I'm going to move on to the election some more election results in the next segment so stay tuned alright and real quickly it is time for some more election information all states at this point have all but concluded their counting even New York who and several of and all of my podcasts up to this point was uh, I was amazed that they stayed at 87% for so long and then stayed at 92% for so long. But New York has more or less can, uh, finished their counting because they have certified their election at this point. The only states that haven't been certified at this point are Hawaii, California, and New Jersey, which are all uh, which all three are Biden states, and Missouri, which is a Trump state. Among the certified states at this point, Biden holds a 230 three electoral college edge to Trump's 222. Now at this point with the certification, Trump only has 10 more electoral votes to get certified. As far as the popular vote, Biden sits just north of 81 million. Trump is just under 75 million. This is a difference of more than 6 million votes. This is about, I believe three times, maybe two times, double uh, the number that Clinton defeated Trump in 2016. Biden's share at this point is 51.3%, while Trump is at a measly 46.9%, which is a difference of 4.4%. So that's just a very quick update on the election at this point. Um, The... Remaining four states should be certifying within the next week because on December 8th is when the Electoral College meets to vote. So that is it for this segment, the quickest segment of the night. 
next, moving on to COVID and the pandemic. Hello, forecasters. This is Michael Hendricks. Coming in 2021, I will be bringing you a special podcast every week covering every presidential election. That is 58 episodes. Talking about who ran, who won, and what exactly happened in each of those elections. From George Washington's first election all the way to Joe Biden. Join me to discover that even blowout elections still had drama. Only on the Prez Forecast Podcast. Now, I've stayed away from this topic for as long as I could. Um, especially with this being presidential forecasts, I, I always intended to keep this as close to just regular politics as much as possible. But this has been politicized to such a point that I have I need to talk about it, and, and that's COVID, and more specifically. How the Republican Party has stymied efforts all over this country to attempt to control it. We're currently in our third spike in the first wave. We're not in our third wave. We're in our first third spike in the first wave. Other countries are currently, you know, trying to fight from going into a second wave. A lot of countries in the world at one point completely eradicated the first wave. New Zealand at one point was down to zero cases. Uh, But it is doing exactly what the medical professionals predicted it would do. uh, By the time we got to this point in the year. And that is spike. So we are currently in our third spike on the first wave. Now, here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen. This is going to get worse before it gets better. And at the pace we're going, it is going to get much worse. Now, there's a vaccine coming available. uh, But it's going to be a long time before, you know, regular people are able to take it. But here's some information that you've probably heard. Since January, in the United States alone, over 14 million people have contracted COVID. Of those, 275,386 have died. Today alone, 219,187 people contracted COVID, and 2,861 died in one day. That is almost 3,000 people in one day dead. That is almost a 9-11 in one day. Of what really should be an easily prevented disease. Sorry, virus. Yet one of the simplest and most effective ways to flatten this curve... to ease this entire country has been completely politicized by the conservatives in this country. And that is simply wearing a mask. Now you can easily go online and find a plethora. And I steal that line from one of my favorite movies, Three Amigos. But you can go online anywhere and find a plethora of videos of these idiots quote-unquote, proving that masks don't work. Here's the thing. If you find yourself watching one of these ridiculous videos, whether you just happen to find it while you're looking for something else, or one of your MAGA family members sent it to you as their way to prove that masks don't work, and the person in the video has no connection to the medical field, or they claim to work at a hospital, but they're not in the medical field, or if they say that they're getting this information from a reliable person in the medical field, and that the information itself is reliable, any of those match what's going on in this video, immediately turn off the video, because the video is a lie. 
They're not telling you the truth. Now, I don't know about you. But I would like to get back to something resembling a normal life sooner rather than later. I'm a teacher. I teach elementary. I haven't had kids in my classroom since March. Standing in front of those kids every day is what I wake up for in the morning. But because of the selfishness of people, that they think somehow wearing a mask is unconstitutional or somehow, to use their words, makes them a slave. The only way I can interact with my kids right now is through a a video screen. Um, we have to find our better angels because right now we're not and because of that teachers are having to do something that they were not trained to do and that is teach through a video camera and try to reach kids that aren't normally reached unless they're in a school setting and just This isn't being afraid. This isn't about fear. This is about doing the right thing. And it's not being done. Which will bring me up to... Final topic in this topic. Republican governments. And in the final segment, we turn to state Republican governments. Now, to T, state Republican governments have completely botched the COVID response. They have taken a largely hands-off approach to COVID. And some have even championed the idea of herd immunity. Now, if herd immunity were such a great thing, I would be right at the front of the line championing that. And it's, it's good in theory. In practice, it does not work. Herd immunity is something that if it does work, it takes a very long time to do it. Not a couple of months. If, her, um, excuse me, if herd immunity was something that actually worked, we would not have lost entire Native American civilizations that were utterly destroyed when the Europeans came over and brought their diseases. If herd herd immunity actually worked, it wouldn't have been an issue. But, you know, again, it takes a very long time to take effect, if it ever does, and the science really doesn't back up that herd immunity is even a thing. For reference, the Black Plague lasted for seven years. Killed an estimated 75 million to 200 million people. It is estimated that it killed off a third of the world's population. And it only ended after two things were figured out. One, one of the best ways to fight it was basic and good hygiene and da 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 social distancing imagine that now what this plague was was the bubonic plague and COVID like the bubonic plague is going to be around for a very long time in fact More than 500 years since the bubonic plague wiped out an estimated one-third of the world's population, it is still in existence today. In fact, in the 1920s, parts of the United States had their own bubonic plague, and the last known case of the bubonic plague was on July 5th of this year. 
But I'm going to focus this last segment a little closer to home. I'm in Oklahoma. And we have a governor here that I was not here to vote against. I would have. Governor Stitt. When COVID was first seen in Oklahoma, and it was right here in my current hometown of Tulsa, he thought the best action was to immediately take his family to a crowded restaurant and tweet a picture of them eating at this crowded restaurant without a mask to show that COVID wasn't a big deal. He even eventually contracted COVID himself. Yet he still chose to do nothing. And when I say nothing, I do mean nothing. He has completely kept a hands-off approach to everything going on with the COVID response in this state. He has left it to local municipalities. And it has even been reported that he fully supported a mass mandate in an Oklahoma town within the last week. And this was reported by one of the council members who voted in favor of the mass mandate. That Governor Stitt had called the council to voice his support for the mandate. He went out of his way, Governor Stitt did, to release a statement that no, he didn't support that mass mandate and he didn't support any mass mandates. But he finally came to a solution. And the one he settled on was a one day and this was this past Thursday a one day stunt of praying and fasting now it's a nice sentiment and I'm not saying anything against people who believe that praying and fasting work I I personally don't but fasting for one day does absolutely nothing And it does nothing to help those that are hurting right now. Those who have been evicted out of their apartments because they can't afford the rent anymore because they don't have a job. Because where they worked has been closed down. I said in the last segment, and I'm saying it again, we've got to find our better angels. And we've got to find them soon. Or is this going to continue to get worse and worse and worse? But, I mean, on that very low note, that's all I have tonight, uh, forecasters. Remember, wear your mask. Socially distance where possible. We can do this. We can get through this. But we can only do it together. Good night.